Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thanks again for listening to the Activate Podcast, a ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and joining me today is Pastor Christian Newsom, founder and lead pastor of JCI. Today we're going to be having a conversation with Pastor Christian on a recent message in our series, Fearless, Living in Faith Over Fear. So today let's just jump right in because we have a lot to discuss on a very important topic. Christian, welcome back. You you mentioned at the beginning of your message, six barriers to bold Christian living and spiritual influence. Those barriers are relational comfort, fear of rejection, lack of answers to questions, perceptions of outsiders, procrastination, and you don't know how to do it. Um, which of these barriers have you struggled with as you've tried to build a uh, or to live a bold Christian life and why? Yeah, all of them. Um, all of them at the exact same time. Uh, and if you'll remember, Brandon, we took, um, we took a full day uh, with our leadership team um, in our little multi-purpose room, and we put, a, we put a piece of paper up on the wall. And I asked this question, uh, why aren't people living bold Christian lives? What, what are barriers? Uh, and as a team, we came up with these from our own lives and from the lives of leaders who, you know, who we're really close to, uh, who have a desire to really be impactful for Jesus. But these things stand in the way. Um, so you, they really, they all go together. Uh, but for me, you know, I, I use the phrase that for me, social comfort trumps spiritual rejection. And here's the reality. You just have to move to a place where spiritual truth trumps social fear. Like, I mean, it's, it's a faith over fear uh, moment. We have to decide, do, are we more concerned with being p- connected to people on earth or in eternity? Because sometimes you can't do both. Um, but what this week's message taught us is that there is a way to be both bold in your faith um, and, and impactful in your faith but still have relational comfort, um, kind of eliminate some fear of rejection, rejection, um, give some answers to questions, you know, hopefully help outsiders think well of your God. Um, stop procrastinating. So we give a little skill through the life of Daniel of, hey, here's some, here's some tips. If you want to live with a bold faith, but you don't know how, um, we think these steps will kind of help dampen those things that uh, that make you so afraid. So let's talk about those steps, because you started out your message and actually ended it with this presupposition that every Christian wants to have spiritual influence and impact on people. They just don't know how. And, and so you shared seven really practical steps to a life of spiritual influence, particularly as you study the life of Daniel in Daniel 2, verses 1 through 13. So Let's let's take some time and go through each one of those individually, if you don't mind. Um, the first one was establish relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Yeah, so I, I will say for the listener, if you're a Christian, I want you to think about this comment, okay? Every Christian wants to have spiritual influence and impact on people. They just don't know how. Most people are listening to this on the way to work, uh, on the way home from work. Hopefully not at work, but some are, right? They're, they're listening to this while they're doing other things. Um, look at the people around you right now. If you're sitting at work, and there are people around you right now. Look at them. Do you desire to have spiritual impact in their life? I think almost every Christian would say yes, but, I, but I'm not sure how. So we look at Daniel chapter 2, not just verses 1 through 13. We really have to span the entire chapter to get all seven steps. Um, but we see some things that Daniel did in a social climate, in a cultural climate that was more difficult 
than our cultural climate. It just, it just is. It just, you know, his life was harder than ours. We think, boy, it's just so hard in the year 2017. You're right. It was not as hard as it was in the year 500 um, BC. So what did Daniel do? Well, first he established relationships with people, um, you know, who didn't know God like he knew God. So we enter the story and Arioch, the commander of the guard. I mean, that's a great commander of the guard name, Arioch. Yeah, it just sounds scary. Comes knocking at Daniel's door to put him to death. And Daniel engages him in conversations, which tells us if we just think of this like we're watching a movie or if we're there, they had to have known each other. Um, the fact that Daniel felt comfortable talking to him, training in the royal court, there had to be some relational connection there um, where Daniel began to speak with him. I don't think it was the first time Daniel ever talked to him. And I don't think Daniel thought, I'm going to make this guy my friend in case one day he comes to kill me. I think Daniel saw every relationship as an opportunity to influence people for Jesus, and he just loved people and struck up relationships with people. Listen, ministry is more than a moment. If it wasn't, God would have had a big church service, revealed Jesus, ask people to put their trust in him, and then everyone would have gone up to heaven. No, Jesus came for 33 years because ministry is within relationship. Ministry is within long-term relationship. God could have chosen any way he wanted to, to reveal Jesus to us. He did it through relationship. He showed us ministries done in relationships. So you have to establish relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Know them, love them, talk to them about life, about the weather, about the royals, about the chiefs, about the eclipse, about whatever. And if you are in a relationship with someone, eventually you earn the right in a difficult moment to kind of maybe bring up faith, which is what Daniel did here in Daniel chapter 2. So the second step for spiritual influence may may touch on some toes, may step on some toes. It's use tact and wisdom. Talk to us about that. Well, I think we're already stepping on toes because we're not using tact and wisdom. Um, you know, it says that Ariot came and it says that Daniel questioned him, but he questioned him with tact and wisdom. I think Daniel said, help me understand why the king has issued this command. And is, is there anything that we could do to help? I don't think he said, the king is an idiot. You're an idiot. Um, you, you know, you're going to go to hell for killing all the wise men. Like he answered him, but he answered him with tact and he answered him with wisdom. Um, he had to have known something about this guy relationally, and he knew something about how God moves in people and how Christians can have spiritual influence and that he used tact. You know the word tact means taste, right? David or Daniel's life um, had a flavor to it that tasted appealing to people, right? I, I say in my message, um, if medicine that is good for you tastes bad to you, you don't want it. Even if it's good for you, if medicine that is good for you tastes bad to you, you don't want it. It's the whole reason bubblegum fluoride was created at the dentist, because they know they have to put it on your teeth, but kids would rather have their teeth rot than taste that old fluoride that they used to use in the, in the 80s and 90s. Um, that, would, that would just be awful. And listen, Jesus said this. Jesus said, man, let's get smart about how we communicate to people. He told his disciples, you have to be as wise as serpents, but as innocent as doves. You have to have wisdom, but you have to have tact. You have to come in soft so you don't spook and scare people. Jesus actually taught us to have the shrewdness of a money manager. Remember the guy who, who, um, 
was getting ready to lose his job. His master was so mad at him, and he kind of handled the money. So knowing that he was going to lose his job, he went to everyone who owed his master money, and he cut their bill in half so that after the master fired him, they might hire him. God said, man, we need to learn how to be that shrewd with the God. Like, we need to learn how to win friends in the eyes of the world so that when we want to talk to them about Jesus, we know how. So that's this thought of using tact and using wisdom. It, it's it's basically saying be people smart. And actually, we can close down conversations immediately if we miss step number two. Yeah, we don't even close down conversations. We never allow them to start. Right? I mean, let, let me let me just let me just give you one example. Okay, um, I had a friend who was had struck up a conversation um, with somebody who didn't know God, who was far from God, who was interested in being a part of his church, um, who was interested in visiting with him. Like he had laid all this kind of groundwork, um, a little bit of finally inviting this guy to church to hear the gospel. Um, And then with one social media post over gun rights, um, he shut the door on this guy. And he didn't know why only to find out that this guy had a relative involved in one of the massacre shootings. Um, and he took this Facebook post to mean, I don't care about your relative who died. He shut it down. Now, he could have never known that when he made that post, but did he even think about it? Do we even think, right, when we spout off on social media, when we like stuff, do we even think of how it could impact the person that we're trying to reach? Do we think about any of their experiences, any of their past, any of their background? Do we think of any of that before we open our mouth? That's the thought of tact and wisdom. It doesn't start at our mouth. It starts in our mind and it starts in our heart. Good. So use tact and wisdom. Step number three, learn to ask questions. Learn to ask questions. Yeah. So Daniel asked Eric. Eric said, I've got to kill you. Daniel asked a great question. Why? (laughs) Right? I don't know how many other people said, no, don't do this or just ran away. But Daniel says, okay, why? Help me understand the background of this situation. Um, I think if Christians... If in the eyes of the world, Christians had more questions than answers, I think the world um, might be more interested in engaging us relationally. You know, I I think every time we find someone, um, you know, who doesn't have the same worldview as us, instead of trying to convince them to change their mind, we should ask why. What what has shaped you that way? Uh, Because questions both prove that you care and they teach you to care at the same time. Say, what do you mean? Well, questions prove that you care. Hey, tell me why you're passionate about this. It's telling the person, I care about you. I want to know more about you. And then when they tell you, you can think, ooh, I didn't realize you were impacted that way in the past by gun violence. I didn't realize you were impacted that way in the past by a bad church experience. Ooh, I did not realize that you had a family member impacted that way in a church scandal. I did not understand that you had been kicked out of a private school. I didn't know these things. So all of a sudden they know that I care and I actually know how to care a whole lot better by asking questions. So Daniel asked, why is this happening? King said, Nebuchadnezzar's had a dream. Nobody can answer. It's really freaking him out. And Daniel, Daniel learned how to care. He said, well, let me, let me talk to the king. Because if this is about helping the king, I'd love to help the king. So 
let me let me see if I can help him, which really leads to to our next point. So as you ask questions, we need to listen to the answers. So step number four, let the answers to your questions that you ask provide the pathway to impact. Talk yeah. to us about that. Yeah. So Daniel says, why do you want to kill me? King had a dream. He didn't know how to interpret it. So Daniel knows the pathway for his impact is, well, let, let me try. Now, he wasn't even given an opportunity. Let, let me try. Um, so he realized the pathway to impact is in answering someone's hard questions. He didn't say, well, let me go to the king and tell him about Jesus before he kills me. He just said, let me, like, let me try to help him. Um, and what we need to do as Christians that want to have a bold faith and want to have impact, we need to find Jesus in the passions of people. So when, when I say, let, let the answers to your questions provide a pathway to impact, find out, as you ask them questions about their life, find out what they're passionate about and tell them where that overlaps with Jesus, right? Um, it, it's, it's, this is so easy to do in the political world. I mean, like this is so, on both sides of the aisle, this is so easy to do in the political world, right? I'm really passionate about immigration. So is Jesus. I mean, have you heard what the Bible says about taking care of foreigners? That's so easy to do. You know, I'm, I'm really passionate about healthcare. So was Jesus. Did you know he like was kind of a doctor? Like he could help people for free? Like Jesus offered free healthcare through his fingertips, right? Like this is so easy. I'm really passionate about life. Man, so was Jesus. Um, did you see what Jesus, I'm so passionate about family. Man, so was Jesus. Um, you know, I'm, I'm so passionate, um, about security and making sure we could take care of ourselves. Man, so was Jesus. Did you hear what he said about family? Um, and country. I mean, like, this is so easy in every realm of life. Um, so find where people in their, in their passions have things that line up with Jesus, even, even in their critiques against the church. Sometimes I just hate hypocrisy. Man, so did Jesus. Like, you're going to introduce them to a Jesus they didn't even know. And maybe, just maybe, they'll be more interested in him. You know, I just, uh, you know, you hear someone say, I just, I hate it that, you know, the church seems like such an organized religion. Man, Jesus felt the same way. Figure out where their passions line up with Jesus. How you do that? Ask questions. And then just help them understand they have a little bit of the heart of Jesus already in them. If they could meet Jesus like you've met Jesus, you've got a great opportunity for their eyes and their heart to be open to God without having to change their politics, without having to change their past. You could just introduce introduce Jesus into their present so they could have a promise of a future with him. Christian, this is really good. And number five, uh, it's just going to get better. Here it is. Have a heart to help the hurt rather than just convert the soul. Yeah, I, I think for a long time um, we, we've considered soul winning more important than soul care. Right? Like if we convert them, we win. If we don't, we lose. But listen, if we care, we win. Like, if we love like Jesus, we win. Like, the Bible says that that when we were still sinners, Jesus came and died for us. Knowing that a lot would not convert, he cared anyway. So when we show that we care, regardless of faith, listen, I, you don't have to come to my church for me to care about this. Um, you don't have to believe what I believe for me to care about you. You, you don't have to have the same moral standards as me for me to help you. When people know that we will care about them regardless of their faith, they might actually believe that we care about them in regards to faith, too. Because you know how most unchurched people look at church people who care about their faith? They think that's for us, not them. You care about my faith because that makes you feel good. Like, you know, 
really your concern for me has more to do with you than it does me. But if we care about them regardless of their faith, they might look at us and say, huh, maybe this faith thing really isn't about them. I mean, they've proven they care about me, so maybe maybe there actually is something for me in this um, faith thing of theirs. So I think by, by caring for people, and this is what Daniel did, right? Daniel, Daniel didn't get the interpretation of the dream and leverage it. He didn't tell the king, I know it, but you're going to have to let all the Jews go home. I know it, but you're going to have to let me pray three times a day. He didn't leverage it. He just, he just helped. He just helped. Regardless of where it led in faith, he just helped. Um, and it allowed him to have deep, deep impact. So step number six for spiritual influence is pray with people for people. <laughs> yeah, here's what's really interesting. Um, we all know how to talk about people with people. Right, like, like, you like, oh, you want me to pray about people with people? Well, yeah, it's talking about them to others, but like bringing God into that. Like, we're all real good about talking to people, talking about people with people. We've mastered that part. All it is now is bringing God right into the center of that and saying, "Hey, since we're all here talking about this person." And how they're jacking up their life and how they're headed off the deep end and how their marriage is falling apart. What if instead of talking about people with people, we talk to God with people about them? Yeah. So like we've mastered this. It's just it's just bringing a little spiritual heart into the conversation. Um, Daniel went back with his friends and he said, let's pray together. It's a big one. This is a big one. So let's pray together. Um so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in a small group and you've got concern for a friend, when that prayer time comes at the end, like, who has prayer requests? And everybody's like, I'm good. I'm good. No, don't be good. Pray for your friend with your friends and and watch how God will move through that. And step number seven, help people see how God is working for them. Talk to us about that. I love this, right? So Daniel goes and he finally interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. Big statue. Here's what it all means. Um, and Nebuchadnezzar's like, wow, thank you so much. And Daniel said, listen, don't thank me. Thank God. God didn't tell me this for me. Like God actually wasn't trying to save my life. God didn't tell me this to save my life. God told me this because he wants you to know he's aware of your world. And he wants you, you, he wants you to be aware that he's in your world. Like, and then he didn't say, so do you want to be a Christian? He just said, hey, I just think like God has sent me to help you. So if you need anything, I'm here. He he turned on a switch in Nebuchadnezzar's mind that just said, I'm here because God loves you. Right? And you don't even have to do anything for that, but I just think God sent me to help you. So just let me know when when you when you might need that. When you have spiritual questions, let me know. Um when you have spiritual concerns, l- l- let me know. I think God sent me um to help you. You know, he kind of told Nebuchadnezzar, and he would later have a message of judgment against Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but in this first conversation, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, thank you so much. He said, don't thank me, thank God. God, God wanted me to do this for you. Um, so he redirected the conversation to kind of say, um, like, man, if you would open your eyes, God's God's trying to He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to help you. Christian, those were really powerful and really helpful. And if you're listening to this and you've missed any of these, you can go back online and watch um, his 
recent message on the same topic and take notes. Those notes are available as well. Um, or re-listen to this podcast and write each one of these down. These are really helpful. So this week's Faith Over Fear moment, um, Christian, was pick one person in your life who is far from God and take the next step of spiritual influence with them. Do you have a story or can you share a specific example of how, of how you've seen this play out in your own life? Oh, man. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Without getting too deeply into it. Um, you know, if you've done number one, if you've established relationships with people who don't know Jesus, um, learn more about them this week. Learn, 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 learn more about them. You know, with the social media world that we live in, you can stalk about anybody. You don't even have to ask questions. You just have to read their feeds, right? And you, you can find out what they're passionate about. Um, you can find out what their schedule does, uh, and, and read up on some of those things. You know, and and begin to engage them about things that that they care about, right? If you if you read your friend as a like an avid hunter, and you know, and you don't know, you couldn't tell the difference between a bow and arrow and a gun. Go read a hunting <laughs> magazine, um, and then walk into work and ask them about the you know the latest turkey season and what what's going on with something. Like just begin to care about things that they care about, and if you begin to look at someone's life and you find something that they're really passionate about that you're passionate about on the equal side and your passion could come across as offensive and maybe shut a door to the gospel. Um, I would either apologize for that and just say, Hey, I've realized you're pretty passionate about this. And, you know, I've got some views in the other direction, but man, I would never want to offend you. So forgive me uh, if I have, um, or even go remove those things from your post. Well, I'm really passionate about that. Are you more passionate about that than their soul? Like, are you more passionate about any issue in life than you are for someone's soul? If so, you need to check your heart um, spiritually, because it's it's not the it's not the heart of Jesus. Um, so I, you know, I would say I would say, um, I would say do those things. Um, you know, maybe the last thing we find Jesus in someone's passion. Right, I love this. Um, if you find out someone's really into team sports, so is Jesus. First thing he did was recruit a team, right, a ministry team. He hung out with them. Um, you can find Jesus in about everything that's good. So if someone loves anything that's good, you can find Jesus in that. Just open their eyes to a little bit that, hey, on this issue, you know you and Jesus see eye to eye. Um, and just let that marinate in their soul till till they ask more about it. Christian, this has been a very practical episode, and I've been challenged, and I hope you have been as well. Uh, perhaps Pastor Christian has said something today that has sparked questions for you. Perhaps you're in a small group right now, and you're, you're having dialogue, and some more questions have come to your mind. We'd love to answer those on our next podcast. So send us an email with that question to activate at takethejourney.cc, and we will do our best to answer them. Thank you for listening today, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, Help us get the word out and show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. Please share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.